Hello, coconuts. We are back this week for weekly market banter updates. This week, we'll be talking about ESPN partnering to build content and around sports betting companies. PayPal stock price jumped when they looked to become a stock trading platform. Kathy Wood buys into the China dip. Is this a good time? And ByteDance is looking to expand into the AR space. Where else are they going to go? Listen in. TFC's weekly market update scours the net to find worthy financial news to be further discussed and expanded. It is a banter session with facts, figures, and fun to help you get caught up in the world of investing. So join in the banter live with me, Rakesh, your host, weekly Tuesdays at 8 p.m. on our YouTube, Facebook, and Twitch. Hey, folks. Hey, Coconuts. How are we? Welcome back for another TFC weekly market update. Um, 8 p.m. as usual on Tuesdays. Awesome. Uh, just as a quick, quick intro, right? If you haven't um, followed us, please do so. Go do follow us on YouTube, follow us on Instagram, follow us on Twitch. Um, and today we're going to be talking about a whole ton of things, right? From ByteDance to PayPal to even this new stock called support.com, if you haven't heard about it. Um, but to kick things off, we're going to pass the, oh, I'm going to pass the mic across over to Thomas um, to, to kick things off with a little Southeast Asian company. Yeah, so recently we uh, Singapore had the National Day Rally. Prime Minister Lee was talking about uh, all sorts of things, but one of the comments that he made was about gig economy workers. So gig economy workers will be uh, the workers that's in the platforms of, say, like Food Panda, Deliveroo, Grab. Um, he wants to actually have more support. Uh, it's not so sure where this support is going to come from, but it's definitely not going to come from the government. Uh, but he sees that this is something that they are going to do. It's a very strong hint. Um, and how this actually impacts these platforms is that, well, basically the cost is going to increase. So they might not treat them as uh, like a full-time employees now. Uh, neither are they actually contractors. Um, it's really like very part-time gig workers, no benefits at all. Um, there's no insurance, although some of them actually get into injuries and things like that. So potentially this could be something that um, Grab has to factor into, especially with their, uh, their, their listing at the end of the year. Yeah. Yeah. What, what do you think in other ways that these can affect these platforms? And does it actually affect their operations in other countries as well? So to clarify, this was uh, this gig economy that you mentioned in terms of, you know, welfare and so on for these part-time mm. workers. Um, that's only Singapore that they're going to implement it? Or do you think that it's going to be implemented in, in other countries? Grab is not just in Singapore. Yeah, yeah. So I think Singapore first. Um, I mean, every other country, they will have to see whether it's something that they want to roll out as well, right? But people just look at, at uh, some countries, for example, um, let's say even for China, right? Uh, they want more welfare for citizens as a whole. So if they find that this is something that um, they can do after they finished with uh, Alibaba and Tencent, right? They might go after, say, like uh, <laughs> TT or they might go after all the other delivery companies. Uh, yeah, that's my take anyway. Um, yeah. So really looking yeah. at the more social aspect of, of um, the job luck. Would you say? For sure, no, for I, sure. I, I think I think mm. what's important is you got to see the playbook, right? If you look at Uber, Uber has already gone through this process with a lot of its major markets, right? From the US, you know, to Europe. Uh, they have already done this whole process of factoring this um, increased cost when there's mobile fare and, you know, considering people are they full-time and all that stuff, right? So the reality today is that a lot of these delivery networks are still not profitable. All right, so that's something that we, we have to recognize. So even, even some of the other guys um, that have a much bigger business in other spaces like Alibaba or like Meituan or even uh, DoorDash, which was which used to be part of Square and they got spun out and all that stuff, um, they all recognize that this is the least profitable part of the business, you know, the logistical network, right? And a lot of people are pushing towards the whole robots taking over this whole process, right? So... I don't know if this is the eventuality where a lot of these companies will have to adopt robots, but it seems like a lot of them are already doing it, right? So if you think about it, if the global shift for adoption of last mile delivery, because the, the focus is on last mile delivery, right? So the, the global shift of last mile delivery is already going to robotics, then all these uh, increase in welfare and all that, it's just going to be a very transitional kind of costs for a lot of these companies. They fundamentally, even with this increase or even as a decrease, they still have not figured out a kind of profitable model for this way of doing business, right? So that to me, that's my base take when I look at companies like this. 
Mm. Got it. I think on, on my side, um, yes, I agree that, you know, they're probably looking to robotics, but transitional is probably the word I won't use because how far are we into getting these robots to be used as part of our last mile, right? Is it six months? If it's one year, is it two years? I don't see it in the next two to three years, to be honest. So for me, that's that's less transitional, more on the fact of, okay, now we have this whole bunch of workers that don't have medical healthcare. They're probably the lower income, um, which taking up a huge part of the economy. Now, without getting a bit too high level, it's how do we take care of these people that effectively don't have a job, right, or a full-time job that then don't have to take care. So I think I look at it purely as a social element. Um, and it's something that should be taken off by the company and Singapore doesn't have the current policies to have that in place. Right. So I think, as Reggie mentioned, uh, in Europe, uh, I believe in other countries, in the more welfare states, they, they do have to include all of these, including insurance. I, I got to call out. I got to call out welfare states. <laughs> I have to call out the idea Fine. of welfare states. OK, <laughs> we can we can talk about this in another podcast. You know, it's, it's not relevant. That might be yet. another podcast, but yes. the ones that focus a bit more on, on the people, they when you say you hire someone, you have to have a certain level of insurance. You have to have a certain level of benefits. Yes. yes uh, regardless yes. whether it's part time, regardless whether it's it's uh, freelancers. So mm-hmm. I, Singapore doesn't have that at this point in time. And I think that is something that they are looking towards. Uh, PM Lee, I think, talked a bit more about just not only gig economy, but also about the welfare of, of the people, which we won't really dive into. This isn't a, a podcast for that. Um, but I, I agree with what he said. And I think Grab will just have to take it on and focus on another way to gain revenue. For example, their finance side of things. <laughs> yeah, we're looking at it long term, right? If if and when they actually all these platform companies transition to uh, quite automated um, delivery methods, let's say for last mile or even for your food and things like that, um, the cost actually goes down. There's an initial investment in all these kind of robotics and automation, right? You have a first mover that does it as wow, It's a game changer in the service standards maybe. But after that, there's maybe two or three more competitors that come on because they realize that this kind of uh, software, is basically a software, it's not really so much about uh, the hardware. These kind of things exist. But you have this algorithm that allows you to provide the same services, right? Won't the competition actually increase a lot more? And for consumers, they have a lot more options then. Um, regardless, right, it's not good on valuation either way, right? Whether we mean on mostly human workforce or mostly robot workforce or even a hybrid, yeah? The, the, the entrance is, is, I mean, you, you basically have maybe 200 startups across the world that's opening every day trying to become a platform company. And all the VCs are sinking, <laughs> let's say, like 10 million, 20 million rounds uh, just to get market share. So imagine that when suddenly, like, oh, okay, we have a ro- robotic workforce to do deliveries for you. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's fair. Um, Reggie, yeah, anything to add? No, I think, I think my, my base case is still that all these companies, they are not new. The ideas are, this idea is not new of, you know, gig economy. Okay, anyway, gig economy is multifaceted. Just, we'll talk about ride-sharing companies right? or delivery companies. Now, all these companies, they're not new in the space. They already have been around for a long time, but financially, they all look very wonky. <laughs> so, even some of the leaders, you know, Uber, Lyft, DT, um, and Uber probably has their toes in every other, you know, of these companies, whether it's a Grab, DT, and all that. They are all not looking very healthy from a financial standpoint, right? But, you know, this is a very traditional way of looking at businesses. Maybe they will grow out into a different, a different, a whole different uh, future, right? But I, I don't know, you know, in my view, I think, yeah, they will figure it out. But yeah, to me, nothing much to, to really explore. All right. So I think let's move on to the next topic then. Reggie, what did, what did you have in mind? Good stuff, good stuff. Okay, so I, I think recently there's been a little bit of news in the space of China, right? A lot of people have been talking about China and Kathy Wood, you know, the famous Kathy Wood, she did come out a few, I think a few weeks ago or should I call it a month ago to say that, you know, you don't want to be catching falling knives and she's very concerned about the Chinese government, blah, 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 all that stuff, right? So she put out a lot of interviews and a lot of her, of her positions out there. Not, not positions in the sense of her portfolio positions, but her top positions, right? Where is she standing on some of these things? But, you know, last week, uh, it announces that she has gone in to acquire some of these Chinese companies, right? So she bought JD.com and she bought Tencent, right? So JD.com and Tencent now accounts for about... Two to one to two percent within their ARC fund, ARC innovation fund. So that's a pretty interesting change in position, I would say. You know, uh, of course, she did say that this is a longer term play, and she's looking at it from a from a 
long-term growth trajectory. Although the Chinese government is very likely going to be cracking down on more and more of these things and setting up more limits to impede innovation in her view. But um, overall, the innovation will outweigh all that jazz. So that is her current position. And yeah, just wondering, do you guys, you know, have you opened up more positions in Chinese stocks? And uh, what is your take on what did she say? Personally, no. Um, I, I entered a little bit into Alibaba. Um, yeah, but not very much that is, is uh, like all in. Uh. I think it's like less than 1% of the whole portfolio. I would say I, I don't look at, at the situation that China tech companies is going through in a good way. So there's a lot of crackdowns. There's a lot of uh, reform that's being done, right? And this is a lot of uh, distractions which they actually need to do as compared to their daily operations already. Um, I don't think that the prices are actually factoring in the ADRs possibly delisting. There's also that risk. Um, I think some people might not realize that uh, some of the ADRs of existing Chinese companies may delist totally. Um, so entering into that has its own risk. You can enter the Hong Kong one, of course. Uh, but again, not a lot of money is going to Hong Kong uh, exchanges per se because of these kind of risks. Huh? So I don't really see them um, growing uh, so much in terms of stock price. Value-wise, then yeah, sure, you want to hold it for long term and all that. But I think there's other better opportunities out there. Um, what Cathy Wood is doing with the Innovation Fund, um, there's a lot of interesting bets, I would say. Uh, but it's mostly to do with the AI genomics kind of angle. I'm not sure what JD is doing inside that. Yeah. So it's mostly e-commerce. I think it's more of a value play also. Uh, if you look at the kind of um, trading right, or the transactions that uh, Cathy Wood does with each of her funds, it's actually quite short term. So I'm quite surprised that she was saying that she was looking at long term. Yeah, it's basically like a hedge fund. Yes. Yeah, spur additional. Every 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 month or every two months, you see like her trading in and out of positions really. Yeah. So I don't know. I'll I'll take what she said with a pinch of salt. <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 quite a big shift for her, right? And but is it is she looking at purely this this long term play as a form of diversifying, right? Because she's moving into this big bet of, of AI and all these other things. So she needs something a bit more steady. Right in the form of e-commerce. Yes, what's going on with China right now with the volatility, with all the changes, we can understand that. But overall, e-commerce is still going to remain, right? So is that effectively what she's going to look at um, as she puts big bets into AI or any other any other form there? I don't see JD doing anything in AI, but maybe there's information we don't know about. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, she she did specifically put out in her Bloomberg interview to say that I'm not pessimistic pessimistic about China longer run, right? Because I think they're a very entrepreneurial society. So I don't know, I don't know where, where did that that thing come up from? You know, like like what 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 just what just happened, right? What changed in her head? You know, but she she definitely reaffirmed uh, the reality that she believes that the government is putting out more rules and regulations. Uh, and yeah, it's gonna affect businesses, but she said it will not stop growth, right? So that is that is where she stands. But Rakesh, do you open Chinese positions? You know, after all that talk about China and, you know, at yeah. current valuations. Well, I have to admit that I have uh, fully liquidated my entire stock portfolio <laughs> um, as, of, as of last week. Um, Some Reddit thread. So, no, no. I mean, we were having this chat. We were having this chat, right, Reggie? And, and Thomas, I told you, like, you know what? I, it's, it's honestly just like I've hit my upper bound on, on what I wanted to make and I, I pulled um, that's usually the way that I do things. It's not necessarily a, a very good way, knowing where the stock market is right today, especially the US market, but it's the certain ways that I do it. And it's just honestly just like the gut feel that September may, may have a correction. Um, so no, I'm not in, to answer your question, no, I'm not in any Chinese stocks. I'm also very wary of what's going on in China right now, and I'm just waiting to see what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Overall, yeah. overall uh, I do think that the Chinese long-term story is intact okay i would say that um, they may go through some sort of uh, capital cycle they may go through a capital crunch for a period of time uh, with all these different different things but uh, these are very macro high level kind of stuff which honestly it's very hard to to place bets on unless you're like super professional but as a retail investor if you are doing for the whole long-term thing i do agree with Cathie wood man there are some good value companies here and i think we can all kind of agree that 
Yeah, some of these companies, they are definitely trading at way below their prices. You know, or way, or way below their fair value price, la, or however you want to value fair value, okay? So, um, <laughs> I, 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 yeah, yeah I, I know it's... it's, it's a, that's it's, a discussion getting, for another day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a very long, long discussion. But I definitely think, whether it's Alibaba, JD, or Tencent, you know, or even Meituan, some of these guys, they have, uh, they are at a... Uh, interesting price, right? At least interesting enough for you to spend more effort and more time to try to understand you know, the overall market, right? And don't forget, I think something that people may conveniently forget is that a lot of these Chinese companies are still pretty much expanding within China only, right? So, um, whereas a lot of the US companies, their growth situation is they have to grow out of US, you know, they have to grow out of their traditional market, right? So a lot of these Chinese companies are still in their comfort zone. They're still growing within where they are. And if this whole situation of the Chinese government clamping down, um, making it harder for them, it may really spur. I mean, we talked about this, Thomas, we talked about this previously of how uh, some of these companies will, like with Tencent and all, they, they, they may push some of their innovation out of China, right? They, because they go, capital likes to go where things are lax, right? So yeah, they may they may just take this opportunity to invest elsewhere, right? With Southeast Asia or whether it's even Central Asia all the way to, you know, uh, Eastern Europe, right? So I think these are some of the potential situations that could be upside for some of the companies, right? They can expand out of where they are, right? But all that being said, they are in their comfort zone and I'm very positive of uh, their fundamentals, right? So I, I have no discussion about fundamentally how good they are, right? But uh, whether will margins get affected, whether do they need to do new things, whether will some of these uh, pretty crazy new laws, like, you know, can you play game one hour and, and, and all of that, <laughs> will, will, it, will it affect the business? Yes, definitely it will affect the business. But will Please they donate 1 billion to... of your revenues to the yeah, social welfare fund. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, so those, are, those are some of the things that uh, are definitely questionable. But, it does settle down after a while. It does settle down after a while and uh, companies always will find ways to go around some of these things, right? And hey, if the country gets even more connected with some of these companies, like they're like with all these kind of funding and all these different things that they are trying to get these companies to do, then the, com the country essentially becomes more vested you know, with some of these companies, right? So from an incentive, broad incentive structure arrangement kind of outlook, I think uh, overall it's, it's pretty good. Yeah? Not, too, not too bad from my view. And I think Cathy Wood, yeah, good lah. You wake up, huh? very good. Huh? <laughs> Don't keep saying China, China, China. Huh? But yes, yes, yes. Uh, this is uh, my view. Anyway, we've talked about China in many other podcasts in the recent month. So please go and check out all these other podcasts that we've done on our main uh, feed called The Financial Coconut. Awesome, a shameless plug there. But please, yeah, please go ahead and... Uh, <laughs> it's our own show. We can plug. Um, yeah, it is. Like, that's true. That's true. We're not going to other people's show and plug. <laughs> Although we should. We should be going into... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We should. I, I've been going on a, I've been going on a like, crusade, you know, plugging the coconut. But yes, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Uh, no, but do check out our, our, our um, other other podcasts uh we go quite deep i think i saw pika into into china um so if you are interested like what we've just said today um and and i see that as well right like a long-term play and i don't mean next one month two, two months really looking at, at past that but you're not invested but you're not but you're not invested not yet not yet <laughs> not yet not yet okay okay i didn't i didn't take my usd or, or romimpi and put it into sing dollars in my in my in my bank account it's still in the in the in the brokerage account Okay, um, okay, but I just okay. don't have a life position. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. fair, fair. Thanks for clarifying. Yeah. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> so I definitely urge our viewers to, to just have a look. If you don't know anything about China, uh, I think that's fair enough. That's where I started before joining uh, Financial Coconut. And once listening to it, you understand a bit more to your own research um, and make that decision for yourself. Awesome. Um, we'll move on to the next topic. Uh, so switching gears from, from China to the West now. Um, PayPal has uh, seen a big, big shift, right? Um, with with announcing an expansion into cryptocurrency, and that it's going to um, right be, be holding and selling four types of cryptocurrency, and now they're looking at stocks and, and a stock trading company as well. So to really expand that base, more than just the payments, which we know uh, they're they're really good at, they hold great great market share there moving into crypto because they wanted that sort of platform there and now moving into stocks to get trades and so on and so forth. 
really expanding that base. When when I honestly thought, where where else is PayPal going to go? And <laughs> this was a good, uh, you know, three four years ago. I was like, PayPal's got it. Like, where's the growth model? Where, what what are they looking at? Um, folks, yeah, maybe start with Thomas. What, what do you think on on this announcement? Yeah, I think one or two weeks ago we talked on the weekly market banter about uh, Robinhood. Right, and Robin Hood was saying the same thing, like, "Oh, we want to go into payments, and now payments people uh, want to go into trading uh, like, brokerages." Yeah, yeah, yeah. They disturb us. Uh, we want to disturb you, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, like, this is super convoluted, uh, but um, I think it's just going to get even more competitive because the the payments infrastructure is really there. Um, the cost has come down so much. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see uh, how these companies actually like have an edge against the rest because the cost structure is going to be the same, right? I mean, maybe some, some people have more advancements and all that, it's get reduced. But how else are they actually going to grow as compared to the competition? Um, that has a lot of room for, for, for discussion, I think. Yeah, it's still very early in. Yeah. But I think, uh, I think they are in a good position um, to actually do that. Like, it's much better to come from a large user base, uh, from payments, and then going to trading as compared to trading outwards. Yeah. Because everyone already has that kind of mindset to your product. And based off your roadmap, like, oh, yeah, I'm a trading app. Like, why do I, how do I actually educate the users to go into like, just payments? It's, it doesn't really flow. Yeah, but from the other way, it does flow a little bit better. Yeah. yeah, I mean, previously we talked about this, right? Some of the stickiest apps out there are actually payment apps. Right? Mm. So once you're, once you're used to a certain payment app, you tend to use it, you tend to stick to it. It's like Google, there was a period of time they were just kind of throwing money at people with the whole like Google Ang Pao kind of thing. Okay, not Ang Pao, but you get the idea, right? All the rebates and rewards. And then everybody was asking you to use the Google Pay app. You know, <laughs> and even to today, people are saying, hey, do you use Google Pay? I'm like, uh, they no longer give you promo, you know, but yeah, I'm, I'm used to it. You know, and then... Yeah, Jesus is a boomer. He doesn't use any yeah, of this. Yeah. Hello, hello. I use PayLah. I use PayLah, yes. But anyway, <laughs> nobody uses PayLah, right? So that's what I realized, right? So nobody else to PayLah. I mean, it's okay. It's okay, but... <laughs> The, the idea here is people get super sticky with payment apps. So I think that is one thing that is uh, pretty interesting. The playbook of Alipay, essentially, right? They started as a payment app. The playbook of C-Money, C-Money is trying to do that, right? So for PayPal to play something like that, it's not revolutionary. It's not new, to be, to be honest, right? Uh, but maybe the only new part is that they are going to do direct stock brokerage, right? Compared to a lot of other people, they are selling... Uh, wrapper products, right? They're, they're selling unit trusts, they're selling ETFs on their financial apps, right? They, they don't have like an outright, you know, you can just kind of trade different stocks and, and all that things, right? So I think that is an interesting future for PayPal, you know, while I do mm-hmm. caution that they are already a very big company by market cap, $325 billion, you know? <laughs> yeah, I I, yeah, I yeah, which is, yes, yes. <laughs> so, um, yeah. I- Fair enough. So I think, you know, with, with just some numbers to, to show that, right? So they announced the news yesterday. It jumped actually from 278 to 288 just in that point. And there was a big spike in terms of purchasing. Um, so for, for those that are looking at, at that stock and, and, you know, value moving forward, you can see that there is a sort of a market sentiment that, that is going to be good for them in the sense, initial investment. Um, but that said, Robinhood actually took a dive, right? And I think just to compare, as soon as this PayPal news came out, um, I think, and then just as rightly, uh, you know, Thomas was, was mentioning, by the way, this is not scripted, right? <laughs> For those that are listening in, um, it, we were just talking about Robin Hood just a few weeks ago, talking about them and, you know, the other gamification app and the aspect of trading and what else they're looking to diversify into when they mentioned that they were looking into payments. Um, and this news directly correlated with a 7% drop of their stock, right? So I think, um, as, as the team mentioned, it's good to understand the market, right? It's competitive, it's competitive space. And given that PayPal is moving from a bigger base into payments, already having all the market cap, all the users into a different um, classification angle, it could be a great way for them to keep boosting and keep that earning solid. Um, yeah. So if you are looking at PayPal, do your research, but these are, these are some good news there. Yeah. I think PayPal entering, PayPal entering, a stockbroker and affecting Robinhood's share price is very much like how Amazon enters something and then 
<laughs> every <laughs> every other thing gets affected. Why? Why do I say so? Because PayPal's business is super cash rich, right? They're just gen- they're just generating money, you know. Because I mean, they're they're processing money and they're just kind of taking a cut off everything, right? So they are making a lot of cash. Uh, so if any company that has a lot of cash and has a like, huge flywheel making cash and just kind of keep growing, right? Uh, when they enter your space, you should be very concerned. Whereas Robinhood is uh, not very not particularly profitable relative to PayPal. Right, so and and it's not like it's it's not like Visa or Master, you know. Like a lot of people compare Visa, Master, PayPal, some of these like uh, some of these payment companies together, you know. But I do think that PayPal is a lot more focused on the UI, right? So they have a lot more a lot more prof- proficiency and expertise in the UI UX. So from a UI perspective, uh, going into brokerage, I think that is a pretty interesting view uh, to see, kind of see what can happen there, right? But all that being said, does not mean uh, I will buy more PayPal. I think it's very expensive right? at, this, at today's price. <laughs> right, but I, uh, I, uh, honest, I'm a, I, I long PayPal. I own PayPal since five years ago. So yes, uh, wow, something, nice. to, something to note, yes. Awesome. Any, anything else, uh, Thomas, for this topic? Or we can move on to the next one. Yeah, I think we did a recording of PayPal for the Stock Geek Out, but that was some time ago. So this is uh, new information. But um, just to link back to that, uh, what is new or what isn't new is that they have the payments infrastructure already ready. It's definitely more updated than Visa's or MasterCard's. Um, it's it also sits on the cloud, right? So any other thing that supports payments, like really conceptual level, uh, trading or any, it's just a, a form of transaction, right? So there's a lot of back office uh, steps involved. This is something that PayPal could also go into. Um, it might be something that they may go into in the future because as a product, right, they may not actually need their trading app to succeed. All they need is the transaction volume as a gross total to actually increase for the whole of PayPal. And that may come from different sources, right? Mm. So it doesn't matter. You can launch different products and all that. But if you see like competitors of Robinhood and the like, they need their app to succeed. That's yes. how they actually get the bulk of their revenue. Yes, yes, yes. So it's it's just pay, PayPal going to brokerage, going to stop brokerage. It's just kind of like how fast food restaurants are selling you an upsize, right? It's just like it's just a, well, a little bit more, just a little bit more for you, right? Hey, this this extra feature, extra function, you know, you can play around with it. If you're interested, do do it, right? And you don't need to, you don't need to, you don't need a TT, you don't need to, you know, move money out of the ecosystem. It's already in PayPal's ecosystem. And all that, right? So, from a user experience perspective, it may be uh, pretty advantageous. So, you want to see the pickup rate, you want to see the acquisition cost, you want to see the churn rate, right? So, if they release some of this data, right? So, it tends to be that if it's a feature in a company, they usually will not tell you everything. They will not release this kind of uh, data. But if they can give you a little bit more color on what is the churn, what is the retention, what is the GMV, and all that stuff uh, per user, and uh, that will definitely make it very, very interesting. Right, so to see what it is, yeah. But there are a lot of people in this yes, space already. Are just saying, yes. <laughs> Everybody is trying to be in this space, so yes. Good analogy use, by the way, Reggie. Kudos to that. Yeah. <laughs> thank you, thank you. All right, um, I think that's enough of that one. Um, let's move on to the next topic, Thomas. What do you have for us? Sure, this is about uh, bike dance, particularly TikTok. So they are really going heavily into AR and VR. Um, they made. They actually acquired this company called Pico. Um, Pico is the is a Chinese uh, manufacturer of uh, like VR headsets. They are one of the largest in China, uh, third largest in the world. So by doing this move, really, they want to go into hardware. Um, but I think there's a lot of synergy that's going to go into the content creation for the AR VR space. So now it's all about, uh, to me uh, at least, they are combining the TikTok experience and then uh, trying to merge that into a content play, right? together with the headset. So they're doing a lot of AR, VR editing um, tools on TikTok already. Um, we might see more rollouts of uh, this space in the headset uh, segment. Yeah, But uh, a lot of growth. Um, I know they're not listed yet, but uh, definitely some uh, a competitor to keep an eye out, I think. Yeah, mm, yeah I, I think they're they touting listing soon, right? Or Also, I heard previously... Yeah, but they've kind of like pushed it ahead because like government is giving Chinese tech companies a hard time. Uh, so a bit hard time. <laughs> they don't yeah, want to attract yeah. so much attention. They want to have uh, as high a valuation as possible. So I think they are, they are just waiting for the right time. Yeah, yeah. But I think it's fair that, you know, at this moment in time, they, are, they don't need to do that, right? It seems like they're pretty profitable. They're making decent money. Uh, 
But because it's a private company, nobody really knows exactly. But uh, there are a lot of re independent research out there to try to evaluate some of these things. So you can see they are churning cash, right? So as a company of this scale, I think a lot of people have recognized that they are probably the only company that can potentially compete with the likes of Alibaba and Tencent. Right, it's uh not like not Meituan, not JD, none of those guys. Those guys are like second tier, right? And that's not mean they are lousy businesses. That doesn't mean they're not doing well. It just means that they are not like revolutionary to a point where it can challenge, you know, Alibaba and Tencent, right? So ByteDance does look like the company that can, and you can already see how a lot of other social media companies are copying their features, right? YouTube Shorts, Instagram Reels, and whenever someone's copying you, you know that you know something is right, right? And you're, you're people, on to gold. Yeah, yeah, you're on to gold. Yeah, you're doing something, and it's 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 perfectly amazing, right? So that is the definitely a big part of ByteDance future. Yeah, well, so the whole AR VR thing, I uh, mean, we talked about this quite a bit on the show. Um, the whole like metaverse, the future, and, and all that jazz is still in the very early stage of discussion. Uh, I'm not sure exactly how it will play out. I mean, the general idea is you're going to buy headsets and all, and you're just going to like ready player one at home, right? But yeah, how, how is that going to translate uh, into a business? How is it going to be like for a lot of these companies? Are they still going to keep to the whole ad? Uh, this model, uh, this part, I'm, I'm not too sure. Probably. Um, so for TikTok, it's one of the most addictive apps out there and it's very mm. difficult to put down. But imagine having the same experience in a headset. You can't ever take it off. Mm. So <laughs> it's just perpetual advertising. Uh. It's very, very good. Um, I think content is something that they want to go to heavily. So they know that, um, say, TikTok is just an app, right? After a while, some people might actually like off-board. They might go somewhere else because it's a trend. Uh, but content is really their play. So once yes, they yes. have this um, stream of content and the delivery method, let's say it's on mobile or it's on VR, AR, uh, whichever, um, they are able to create or at least be on top of the trends that's coming and then build for it. So they've gone past the startup stage already, I think. I think we shouldn't be calling them a startup. It's more yeah, like yeah, they're a not, very established they're company. No, no, they've already they are, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no one should call them a startup, right? They are huge at this no. moment in time. Mm -hmm. So I think potentially a lot of, lots of growth. But uh, I, I do think that um, why they're actually delaying the IPO is more for the reasons of the uh, Chinese government crackdown. Um, there's a lot of valuation, the valuation um, aspects that needs to be revised also, although they have a lot of growth uh, opportunities. And um, there's also that risk uh, where, say, like, if they don't conform in some way, maybe behind the scenes, government's asking them to do something. This is just purely speculation, right? And then it, yeah. they just go ahead and push for the listing. And then the next day, government says, oh, they, uh, together with TT, you're going to be delisted off Tencent and Alipay, Alipay app stores. Like, that's it, right? There goes your Chinese market already. So I think they're being very careful here. And that's, that's why it's a risk factor, right, for a lot of people exploring the Chinese market. Right? But, the, but the discussion about content, right, let me just give you guys some insider. TikTok is talking to us. They mm. want us to create content on their platform. Right? Nice. So it is, it, is not a, it is not a it's not a hearsay kind of thing. For a lot of content creators, they are doing better on other platforms. So TikTok is actively reaching out to a lot of them to try to create content in the TikTok format. Right, so the good thing, the good thing, the interesting good thing is because YouTube has YouTube Shorts, Instagram Reels, um, it is becoming more viable to consider creating content for TikTok. Right, so if if it's just doing a TikTok, and you'll be like, mm, you know, I don't know if it's if it's something that I want to do, but because now for every piece of content that is creating on TikTok, the same format, exact same format, can be planted in other platforms. Uh, then yeah, you'll be like, okay, maybe this is a potential way to go forward right, for content creators. So same idea of content creators. If more content come on your platform, free content, free work, and then you know you can continue to keep traction, people get following and, and all that stuff. Right? So the model stays and yeah, the next guy, the next big guy, ByteDance, is also, it's also sticking to this model, uh, free content. Right? So a good idea you can you can very soon be seeing us in ar vr you never know right mm. <laughs> right on right on tiktok after they give us all this stuff <laughs> yeah and I, and I never thought about it that way right maybe maybe it's a new platform for a lot of content creators to create right so it's 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 like the whole idea of metaverse same idea right you you it may not be directly profitable but it's just providing a different canvas for a lot of these content creators to create and maybe you don't know you don't know what can what can come out of it, right? So that's the that's the cool part. 
Yeah, no, that's fair. I think, you know, just as a, as a, as a note on my side, I think it's, I think we spoke about ARVR. Um, wasn't it telco companies also looking at, at, at those areas, right. if I'm not mistaken, yeah, right? We talk horizon. about this in, yes, exactly. Right here in the, in the TFC uh, weekly market banter, right? If you will. Uh, if you missed that, folks, right, go on a couple of episodes previously, go for it, listen to it. But they were looking at this area because it's an area to explore. And I definitely see that as, and, and TikTok is so immersive. Right, you watch. I mean, start off with the dance videos, and then now it's just all over the place. Anything that you want, um, and if nothing else, like AR and dance video is really, really cool. <laughs> um, so I think it's a it's a good area to look into. Will it? What will it do to its IPO? Will it increase the valuation? Maybe, but yet to find out after they revalue themselves after all this. I, I cracked down. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep, we shall see. Yeah. Um, awesome. Reg, do you want to bring on to the next topic? Yeah, okay. So next topic is a big topic. In my view, it's very big because ESPN looks to take license name to sports betting firms. Right? So for all of you that don't know ESPN, I don't know which cave you live in. But okay, okay, maybe maybe you you non you non-boomer. Non-boomer maybe don't know ESPN. Okay, non-boomer knows League of Legends, you know, like esports and all that shit. But if you are, you know, in your 30s, 40s, you definitely know ESPN. They stream all sorts of uh, stream. Stream is a fair word, right? To use. Yeah, they stream all sorts of uh, sporting events and they are one of the largest distributors of sporting content right and the interesting part is they are actually under disney so it is one of them it is oh. not one it is the most profitable business function of disney so tv is actually the most profitable vertical of disney disney has four main verticals tv spa, team parks merchandising and then now streaming right so theme parks uh, and movies right so they have five main verticals now right so TV actually is their most profitable business, but TV as an overall business has been declining over the years, right? So because it's, over, it's declining over the years, there was a period of time Disney was trading extremely low. And ESPN is one of their major vertical in the TV segment. So being part of the mm-hmm. Disney family, right? Disney takes strong position on the ideas of vices, right? So um, if, you, if you guys didn't know, Fox wanted to do a theme park in Genting, right? So Genting Highlands in Malaysia actually signed a Fox theme park. But Fox, after being sold to Disney, is going to a lawsuit with uh, Genting to decide whether or not uh, whether or not Genting can have a Disneyland now or should continue to have a Fox studio, right? So that is the, that is the whole discussion because Disney has branded itself very against Vices. So for ESPN to come on and say, that, okay, we're going to license our name to big sports betting firms. This is, uh, maybe it's a moral hazard or maybe is Disney waking up to the idea that, oh yeah, maybe can make some money, right? So overall, uh, they are planning to work with uh, the likes of Caesars Entertainment and DraftKings, which are all very, very big sports gambling. Okay, no, sports entertainment and sports betting. You know, gambling a bit. All right, yeah. Gambling so, is the wrong word to use, yeah. Yeah, yes, yes. So, so sports betting firms out there, right? So this is definitely a new interesting vertical for... Um, ESPN to license its brand into such spaces. Uh, any thoughts on this, guys? Um, I think just to add on, they are starting, I was just Googling it, right? And and they mentioned they're going to start a, a TV series or a show that's called The Daily Wager aimed at sports betting. So it mm-hmm. will be effectively content on where to place your bets. <laughs> but mm-hmm. that's... Yeah, it's quite so well, a brand right? license. If you think about it, yeah, mm-hmm. it's, 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 it's taking a, so, many, many... yeah. So yeah, so this brand licensing deal would allow ESPN to profit from this, um, as well as build content, right? Because now they can call, you know, DraftKings, they can call in all the big guys that know what they're doing. And they, then they can go, hey, let's talk about it. Let's create more of these um, informative content for these people so that we get more viewership, therefore increasing Disney's stock price. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think it's a, it's, a, it's a very good way. So ESPN is a TV channel, right, firstly, and then they move to a stream because they've been around for a very, very long time. For those of you that, that don't know. And there are, as soon as there's anything sports on, there's always a lot of betting ads. Always, 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 right? In the Super Bowl, if you watch a Super Bowl in the US or even the in, in Europe, if you're watching ESPN, um, there's always a betting app, uh, an ad and all of it. So I think they're noticing that, <laughs> an increase in influx and maybe going, hey, there's a market that we should tap into. Yeah, I think it's a great idea. Uh, Thomas, your thoughts? Yeah, so I'm just reading this. So, so I'm not so into um, like 
the media space and all that. So this is quite new for me, but I'll just comment mm. on it a little bit. Uh, yeah, so I think this is really good for Disney. If let's say a bulk of their, their, their most profitable uh, revenues actually really come from ESPN, right? And they're starting to license this um, to all the different sports betting companies. Any idea what the licensing entails? Like, can they actually license to more people or it's just fixed to these three? Uh, because ESPN is, is global, right? So um, can you like get other countries to come on board? Like everyone's like, oh yeah, they're all watching ESPN and they're all sports betting on their applications. I think that would be great. Or is it just for the US? Yeah, yeah I think they are... Usually a lot of these kind of licensing deals are segmented, different countries and all that jazz. So specifically for this deal, it is just working with Just Kings and you know, uh, Caesars Entertainment, right? right? So it is a, a very... Narrow deal, but it's $3 billion of cash, right? So, uh, definitely good money because let's not, let us not forget that Disney did kill a lot of its licensing deals with Netflix. Okay? Because they wanted to pull all their content back into their own vault and to put it on Disney+. Plus. So, there was mm. a period of time that people were very concerned about like what, what is the cash flow going to look like because um, theme parks are still kind of not at optimal level yet. You know, movies are massively affected and they decided to kill that whole Netflix arrangement and do their own Disney Plus structure. So it is, it, I, I personally think it's a uh, great news to have uh, some big cash volume coming in, especially for something that um, a lot of investors were actually, well, a lot of investors were actually trying to get them to sell ESPN for a very long time if you guys didn't know. Hmm. Yeah, so I've been following Disney for years and uh, I think it was in 2015 18, um, they were they were being, you know, all, all these things about sh- activist investors, right? They they join your they buy into your company and then they will try to like put a bot seat or they'll try to like disturb you or the, how to how to run the company. So for a very very long time, because ESPN was was declining along with all other TV streaming arrangements, uh, that they were being forced to sell. Right, the uh, Disney was under a lot of pressure mm. to sell ESPN. Right, so that is a very interesting situation where at this point in time, hey, they are thinking how to monetize it differently. Right. So I, I like I like that. Uh, and it goes to show why a lot of people are saying like multi-baggers breed multi-baggers, right? They can continue to keep growing, keep growing, keep growing. Right. So the next Amazon can be an Amazon. The next Disney can be a Disney, right? So ESPN uh, is giving them that kind of power to potentially go somewhere further. Right. So it's definitely an interesting uh, view for the future. I see, I see. Yeah, yeah, I think the explanation was good. So I understand a little bit more. Um, definitely if people were comparing Disney against Netflix, right, this is something that Netflix can't do. They don't have this mm. kind of uh, power mm. to right, just license it further, right, to say sports betting companies. I don't know, they are going to gaming. Uh, maybe they will license it to sports betting for games. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. So they, uh, Disney, Disney could look, do the same, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so actually with, with Caesars Entertainment, they're a casino operator, right? Mainly is what I'm reading here. Caesars um, is an interesting company. Yes, Caesars is a very interesting company. Yeah. Mm. Um, so is it is it specifically in their casinos, right? That they're gonna they're gonna be okay. So Caesars Caesars Entertainment, I think, was twenty eighteen or was it twenty seventeen? I used to invest in them uh, after they went bankrupt. So they went through a they went through a process of uh, arranging their bad debt and liquidating themselves because they they didn't operate themselves very well, right? And there was a period of time, there was just so many casinos, it's a high time for mergers. Right? So they actually split up and sold their assets. They sold their physical assets to someone else. Right? So I cannot remember which company did they sell it to, but it definitely has something to do with Carl Inken. Right? So for all of you that didn't know, Carl Inken is quite an activist investor, very famous in the space. So yeah, they sold the physical assets. So... Now, within Caesars Entertainment at this moment in time, they no longer own the physical property of the casinos. Right? So the casino becomes like a REIT, right? The, the physical property is owned by someone else. They just own the brand. Right? So they're only managing the brand uh, with the casino and the entertainment side of things. And they are potentially expanding into other countries. I remember previously they were exploring Dubai. I've not been following them very tightly. But they also have been talking about going on to this whole online betting and sports betting uh, business. Right? So it is, not, it is definitely not going to be just within the casino ecosystem. Uh, they definitely want to explore the whole digital side of things, right? So that is uh, the future of Caesars Entertainment is uh, going to be interesting. 
Got it, got it. But for this case, I presume it's it's purely in the casinos and wherever they're operating it, right? So maybe, for example, um, you only can show ESPN uh, <laughs> on on your in your casinos, right? And and therefore get more viewership, gets more ads. Effectively, that's one way. Second way is okay. As you're looking into the online, um, right? Uh, online betting sort of things, so sports betting or, or even online gambling for that matter. How can ESPN help with that? So I think that that could be a good good way for both for both sides, right? Um, DraftKings is an online gambling company, fully online, um, fully online, or is it? Got it. Fully and online. if it's if it's betting, like we know that betting has gone up since COVID, right? Online betting specifically, maybe there's an angle here that ESPN is going. You know what? <laughs> it's um, I need to get into this. Uh, is there is there? Can we work with our partners to be part of that? Yeah, so I, I think I think ESPN is not looking to enter the betting business, right? Because um, there's a lot of uh, a lot of moral hazard here, you know, part of Disney and all that stuff. It, it's true, it's true. Disney has mm-hmm. gone through a lot of discussion about this whole vice and you know the the moral hazard around it, and they have taken very hard stance. So for them to say that they want to go into sports betting as a business will be very difficult, you know. But like we've uh, established, this deal is about them creating content to talk about strategic sports betting to essentially create a new channel or a new series of content around this idea of sports betting or even putting additional plugs within their circuit, you know, within their shoutcasters, within their live streams, uh, this whole this whole idea, right? So I think you, you really got to see very much from a licensing perspective. Disney is not going to see the upside of sports betting. Um, it is merely a licensed provider. It's merely a content house. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's merely a content house. Right? So that is the, the part for Disney's upside. Uh, they're going to get $3 billion in cash. It's going to give them uh, more firepower to do other things. So that's great. And investors may stop disturbing them about selling ESPN. So that is also great. <laughs> <laughs> because because let's, let's not forget that although it is a declining business, it is a cash cow. The media ad business has mm-hmm. always been a cash cow for many big businesses. So um, in the current situation, I do think Disney is pretty lucky to have not sold it. And I, I say lucky because they were under a lot of pressure. Right, so and it is not it is not like it is a growing business, but it is good to still have something there that is doing relatively well and bring the bring the bread home, right? So I uh, bring the bacon home. So I think uh, for for ESPN that is that is where the upside is kept. But the interesting part and the exciting future maybe for Caesars and DraftKings, right? Because now they have essentially a whole funnel built up. Because a lot of a lot of these guys they don't have that big content funnel, right? So the the whole top funnel of getting traction and getting people in and making it easier for people to participate. You know, that, that part is lacking. So, uh, yeah, it may, be, uh, it may be very, yeah, it may be pretty interesting to kind of see where some of these companies will lead into the future with this new initiative with ESPN, right? But from the whole discussion, it seems like ESPN is still the biggest winner for now because they take the cash up front. right? So, they, they, they get the money, you know, and uh, we'll see if Caesars and DraftKings will then see their revenue move up with this new top funnel built with ESPN. Yeah, I think what, what I'd like to see is for Disney when they actually acquired ESPN um, in 1996, uh, they actually bought Capital City slash ABC for $19 billion, like in 1990, $1996, right? So now wow. that's a lot more. Yeah, <laughs> if you count for inflation and all that. So having $3 billion and all that, um, how long does it take com- with this uh, new license? plus all the revenues that they have gotten from ESPN uh, and the other subsidiaries from 1996, did it break even? Or are they actually like just barely scraping by? <laughs> it sounds like it's a big number, but uh, when looking back, 1996, right? 19 billion is a lot. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. So, yeah. 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 Uh, just, just for a little bit more color, TV ads and TV licensing has been Disney's number one business for the longest time. Right, so even bigger than theme parks, even bigger than all. I think it accounts for about maybe thirty percent of Disney's business, or somewhere around there, before streaming mm. came into play, before all these other things got, uh, before before COVID shaking the whole shit out, Right, so so that's the part. Uh, so I would say that they probably have already made their money back, you know, just from uh, Disney's top line revenue. Um, yeah, so so it's definitely a pretty good buy for for them for the many many years to come. Right, which is why a lot of uh, media companies are going for very very good valuation today. To try to see if some of these companies can continue to melt them. 
yeah. But we could do this in a geek out another time. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I think it's is interesting. Uh, but but thanks for that. That was a that was a long one. That was a very interesting one, actually. Thanks, Thank thanks you. for that, Reggie. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and and just uh, you know, I think it's a bit late. Of course, it's it's. Um, but I think just to let everyone know if you have any questions, feel free to drop it into our Telegram group, um, or feel free to just put it here in our comment section, and we'll be more than happy to to answer them. Yeah. Um, all right. So on to me. Um, so I want to talk about support.com, right? Um, if you haven't heard about it, you might, or you probably already have. Um, it is part of uh, support.com is effectively uh, like a spot company that has actually gained um, stock price um, over the last weekend, right? I think from Friday. Uh, it's gained actually 38% as what they con consider, or the market considers to be a monster rally. Now, this is coming from small to medium uh, investors, retail investors like us. Um, and we've seen this before with AMC. We've seen this before with uh, GameStop. Um, so I think it is... It is interesting to, to just point out and, and be aware that this is happening at this point in time. Effectively, what we're doing here is, is what is known as a short squeeze. So they're looking to get, take the money away from the investors um, and give it back to the retail investors and really drive that price up um, artificially. Right, uh, Thomas, you're laughing already. Let's let's hear some let's hear some thoughts. What do you it's, think? It's another it's another short squeeze play on support.com. Am I getting it right, or, or is this like? Uh, uh, something to do with, with GameStop in another angle. Is this from Reddit? No, I, is this like a Reddit thing? Reddit Reddit guys, uh, the Wall Street bets are driving this again. <laughs> I, I don't know whether it's on Reddit, to be honest. Uh, um, but yeah, I do believe it to be a short squeeze. <laughs> Thomas. <laughs> oh yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I was just checking out support.com. They're not making money, aren't they? Yeah. No, they're not. They made a loss in the, in the last <laughs> Okay, okay, yeah. Not, I'm looking at the earnings and I'm like, it's, it's just blank. Yeah, but yeah, it's yeah. just like rocketed. Okay, so 18 August, it was 8 USD. Now, it is at 36.3 USD. So, about four four times up. This is, this is ridiculous. Yeah. They just merged with a Bitcoin company, yeah, by the way, if you guys didn't know. A uh, Bitcoin mining company, that's right. Uh, in March, yeah, right? Bitcoin mining company. Yeah, green, green niche. Yes, generation. Wow, okay. So, so 60% of their shares are so short. That's a lot. That's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It's a short squeeze. <laughs> I think just for, for everyone's notice, right? Uh, SoftBank has invested in that company uh, in, in support.com um, a while back, actually. So I think uh, together with all the other VCs that then, that then threw it on there. I think first thing we want to know here is to just keep the, our viewers aware that this is happening. If you don't know about it, this is exactly what's happening. 60% of it is a short. It's a short sell, in other words, and it could tank at any moment. Yeah, can educate me what is a short squeeze? Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, so I wish I had a very good way. Thomas, do you want to take this or should I? Uh, yeah, sure. So for short squeezers, basically, there are some hedge funds out there who don't believe that a stock will do well. So they want to sell the stock, right? Um, and they sell it by, actually, they don't own the stock at all. They borrow from other people who do. And um, they sell it at a fixed price, hoping that the price will actually go down and then they buy it back, right? So in the period where they're actually borrowing this, um, they are actually paying a small interest to either the brokerages and the brokerages should actually pass it down to the owners of the actual stock. But what happens is that the actual amount that they are borrowing doesn't exist, right? So when they are called to like a uh, margin call or um, let's say this stock price has gone up by a lot already and it's way above uh, the price where they shorted, um, the brokers come to collect. And people have to post up cash, they have to liquidate their position. Liquidate meaning uh, they have to buy back stock forcefully. And sometimes the brokerage also, they have to, the brokerages buy back the stock on their behalf so that they can cover that position. So what you have is like just market orders, right? Just buying and buying and buying and buying. And that's why you see a ramp up in price, right? It doesn't matter which is the price, the brokerage will do it for them. Whoever else is actually selling short is all going to get liquidated. Um, in other words, wiped out. Lah. And then uh, what you get is a massive rally. Yeah, so that is a uh, short squeeze. Nice. Thank you. Thanks for educating me. Yes. <laughs> nice explanation, actually. Sure, sure. Yeah. So, um, effectively, to, to effectively, what we're trying to do is bring the price up to take the money out of the hedge fund so that they don't make the money. Right? Um, and we've seen this with GameStop. We've seen this with AMC. 
So I think it's 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 noteworthy to know that if you haven't heard about it, it is it is happening. Do, should you want to invest? Well, <laughs> I think that's a question that we should not be really answering. On can what you even call it? Uh, can you even call it? Invest? It's a it's a different it's a different um, vertical. Uh, I would say <laughs> it's a different kind of traders <laughs> and investors out there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, lo- I love how you use the word vertical. You know, when you say something is a vertical, you've already given it legitimacy, right? You're saying that, you know, the, the way that Wall Street bets is, is going on, right? It shows that there is a there is a system here. It can happen. It can be repeatable. And yeah, it, it could be a certain way to do things, right? So that's interesting. Yeah, we should get someone from Wall Street bets to come on and talk. Yeah. Because they're really, yeah, really they're committed. Really. Uh, I was just trolling um, some time ago. So people are willing to sacrifice a portion of their savings just to hit back at hedge funds. And that's why <laughs> these kind of massive rallies exist. Yeah, mm. so they don't care. Although they know it's an overvalued price, they know it's maybe a, a company that you shouldn't really invest in. They would do it anyway just to get back at, at them. Yeah. So that thread, um, that particular Reddit has other sub-threads uh, which is dedicated to this kind of practice. So that's why it's, it's, it's really its own class of traders. Uh. Yeah, they are they're out there to just exact revenge. They're not there to make money. Yeah. <laughs> and they're all they're all on Reddit, right? Yeah, but I, I've heard I've heard I've heard some uh hedge funds and some other funds that are also capitalizing on this. Right. So they are capitalizing on the rally of some of these guys and uh they are they are putting money to hold positions in some of these uh, meme stocks, right? And yeah, you, you never know, you never know how, how they can make money. So that's a that's a cool part. But yeah, yeah for, but for, buyer, buyer or seller beware. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, 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 yeah. You yeah, shouldn't yeah, yeah, be promoting yeah. these kind of things just, just to yeah, put yeah, yeah. It, just to be very yes, clear. Yes, 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 yeah, yes, yes, no, yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we are not recommending you anything. You know, it's, uh, it's on your own call. You're supposed to do your own study and make your own decisions, right? So this is uh, something to, to recognize. There's also something called Satoshi Street Bets. <laughs> okay, oh, <yeah>. thank you. <laughs> thank you, Kaiyue. He's very active in our in our Instagram also. For crypto fans only. Anyway, let me pull up. Okay, he said that there's also something called Satoshi Street Best. Oh. Yes, for crypto fans only, right? So any talks of crypto stuff. Right? So if you are a big fan, you can you can go to Satoshi Street Best and see see if it works. Okay, see if Satoshi can actually build you a street. Huh? But but uh I think what Thomas said is 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 good because we gotta clarify that. This is not, at least it's not how the three of us do things. And uh, we're not recommending you to do it, right? And we're not experts to tell you exactly what's going on. What, what, what is it to happen? All right, so from a fundamentalist viewpoint, support.com is something that I will never touch. Right, yeah. I have my bets in Zendesk, by the way, just saying. So, right. <laughs> no, they have a great. nice website. Um, support.com is a nice website. Yeah, nice UI. Nice UI. Zendesk got nicer UI. Shout out to my friends at Zendesk. <laughs> bias um, bias yes no no I think no I think that's fair right um, and yeah I think completely thanks for saying that Thomas if, if we haven't already it's just for, for the awareness case um, we're not going to analyze this stock or have it in a stock geek or anything like that um, but yeah it's just good for you to know um, alright guys I think it's almost about that time um, any last words from any of us Actually, I'll be very interested to geek out on Caesars Entertainment. It's been a long time since I looked at them. And uh, if any one of you want us to study Caesars Entertainment, tell us on our Telegram group. And if there are a few people, then I'll see if I can get someone to come on to, to explore. Because they did go through quite a cycle, right? So one of those companies that went through a turnaround, right? So what, 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 we, what we typically call a turnaround, right? Uh, didn't do very well, went into a shit show, and then they managed to turn around. Uh, but they are still very debt heavy. Uh, because of their turnaround, so they have a lot of bad debt on their on their on their balance sheets. Uh, but yeah, I I'll be. It's been a while since I look at them. So if you guys are interested, you know, let us know. We can geek on it. Yes. Awesome, awesome. Uh, so thanks, thanks so much, folks, for tuning in for today. Um, we'll round up here. Um, if you haven't already, please follow us at Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitch, YouTube, you name it. Uh, I think we're on Spotify as well. Or we'll be out yeah, on we're on TikTok tomorrow. too. We're on TikTok. We're on TikTok. We're on TikTok. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. might be seeing us in yeah. AR real soon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Soon, soon you'll see us on TikTok, guys. Yes, yes. I already created an account. Yes. <laughs> of course. And, and lastly, as uh, Reggie leaves Singapore, uh, we'll find out when. Hey, Reggie, when are you leaving Singapore, by the way? Because he's going am... to live in Georgia. Yes, I'm going to leave in Georgia. And by the way, it's not US Georgia, but it's uh, the Georgia, uh, Eastern Europe, right? So the ex-Soviet Georgia, uh, next to Azerbaijan. 
Uh, I'm planning to fly to Azerbaijan first, you know, to kind of check out the place before I hit, before I take a train to Georgia, right? So Tbilisi is where I'm planning to house myself. I will be interviewing a lot of people when I'm there, digital nomads, entrepreneurs, and all that stuff, right? So I will still be joining you guys for Geek Out if I can find stable That's internet. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully I find stable internet, which I think I can. It's a it's very strong uh, optic fiber ecosystem there. I'm planning to go in the first week of October, uh, so yeah, it's personal reasons. I really need the creativity spat. I need to go out. I need a novelty. So yes, I will be leaving you guys. So that's what it is. If I you if we have uh, not leaving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. leaving or not leaving. Yeah. Thomas, you can try Starling. Uh, Starling. Thanks, uh, thanks, uh, thanks. Uh. You invest in Tesla, right? <laughs> no, no, no. You bias boy. Yes. Okay. Okay. Cool. Awesome, yeah, then, folks. So thanks. Nice, man. So thanks so much, right? If you haven't already, please subscribe to our weekly newsletter um, and you can do so. Thanks again. See you guys. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode with me, Rakesh, and trust that you learned something today. If you enjoyed the session and want to be part of the banter, join our community Telegram group or follow us on social media. We also have a weekly newsletter to get a digest of the news we covered. To sign up, please click the description below. As always, we love your feedback. So share that with us at hello at thefinancialcoconut.com. Thanks and stay safe.